Good morning. As you're coming back in with your coffee uh, and pastry or whatever you got, uh, I'll pray. Give everybody a chance to get back. Uh, thank you, Heavenly Father. Um, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, above all else. Thank you for um, giving us the opportunity to have a right relationship with you. Thank you that we can know you and we can know truth. That is a blessing to our lives. Lord, as I, as I share this morning from my story and uh, my heart, the things you've done in my life, Lord, I pray, Lord, for whatever it's worth, Lord, I don't, I don't feel like it's a grand story of redemption. God, that it's the story you've given me, and I, Lord, it's my prayer that it would relate to and, and touch the lives of each person who's here today, Lord. Um, I thank you for what you have done in my life and how you have saved me. And um, I thank you that we have a chance to share life together here at the Firehouse Church. Bless us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. I see a lot of new faces. Welcome. If you're new with us or if you're back again for maybe the second or third time, uh, like as I like to say, it takes a lot of courage to come into a place with a lot of people you don't know. Um, and I'm really glad that you're here and you decided to join us. Um, you can see on the screen here, why do I believe? This picture is the graphic we've been using on Saturday nights this summer. We're going to keep using it through the fall. We've been sharing our, our personal stories of faith. Uh, why do I believe? Uh, last night, Daryl Irwin shared his story. It was great. We've had a number of other people share as time has gone on. And uh, I get to share this morning, sort of bring it from Saturday night to Sunday morning in part, as Brad uh, shared, because... Uh, next week, uh, these guys are going to have decided to recognize me as a pastor, which is a, a humbling thing, and um, I hope I can be a blessing to you. And if you're new with us and you're kind of going, what, is a, recognize a pastor? Did they hire this guy off the street? Like, what's his resume? Is he going to share his resume with us? That's not exactly what this is. Maybe come back next week and there'll be a lot more details. Um, just the baseline information is I'm, I'm not trained in seminary or anything like that. I'm just, just a guy. Uh, and I'll share my story with you here. And um, then you maybe know a little bit more about me. So um, for me, I think when we think about stories of faith, uh, it could be really easy. Some people, for sure, it could be this way where you say, I got this, this story of faith in my testimony, and it's this, this thing that's very, you know, it's like a chapter of life. But um, my experience, at least for me, uh, the story of faith and the story of my life really intertwine into one. And it's really difficult for me to separate that story of faith into a chapter or an anecdote. So... Um, I think this really echoes, as I, as I read Scripture, it really echoes something the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, Because we loved you so much, speaking to this church, he said, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And I think that's just as my heart, is that I want to just share my life with you guys. And as we go forward, and next week is a milestone, and we, we go on from there together, I just want you guys to know I want to share my life with you. And so today I'm going to share my life story with you a little bit. So um, as we start, we can go back to the beginning for me. A lot of times people will ask, well, Greg, you seem real comfortable in Colorado. Are you from Colorado? The answer is no, I'm not from Colorado. I'm from our neighboring state, Utah. Um, here's a picture of me. 
There it is. <laughs> Somebody said, is that Kellen, my little son? No, that's me. Yeah, so I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah in the 70s. Um, my parents, here they are. Those are some good-looking people, huh? For some reason, the good-looking genes skipped me and went to my kids from my parents. Uh, this is the summer of 1969. These pictures were taken of my parents. Uh, my father uh, spent uh, decades as a college professor teaching the very, very exciting subject of accounting. <laughs> And my mother was a speech therapist, and later she became a preschool teacher. She's been teaching at the same preschool for, I want to say, 26 years, or 26th or 27th year. She might retire. My dad just retired. He's telling her she needs to retire. She hasn't decided. She's not quite ready to give up hanging out with little kids all the time. But um, they'll be here next week if you see them. They obviously don't look this young anymore. Um, but they are very sweet people, and um, they've been married 45 years last month, so, which is pretty amazing to me. But uh, um, talk about siblings a little bit. Oops. Help. <laughs> There we go. That's not me in the middle. <laughs> and that's not some random guy who looks like me on the, on the right side. That's my brother there on the right, and I'm on the left. I was born and grew up with the, the one brother, Dave. Um, he is actually a pastor in New Orleans at a church, which is kind of interesting. Uh, we both sort of ended up in this place. Um, and then later in life, uh, we added... Another here. Um, that's my little sister in the middle. She was adopted from Russia when I was uh, 16. She was four. I think this was, I'm not sure when this picture was, probably sometime in that first year. Um, and that uh, she came home and got off the airplane uh, uh, 20 years ago yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. So, you'll also, if you're around next week, you get a chance to meet her. She's not this little anymore, she's taller than me, actually. <laughs> It's just pretty amazing. Um, it's really special to have that. So, Greg, you seem like you have a stable family. Your parents have been married a long time. Um, where does Jesus Christ come into your story? That would be a good question to ask me. So, um, there I was in Salt Lake City growing up there. Um, Salt Lake City is a very interesting spiritual climate. Um, my parents were Christians. And uh, being that it was not a Christian environment and the schools were, were kind of oppressive even to Christians, uh, they put me into private school. My parents were, and they still are, very devoted to God, as I said. Um, and so they stuck me in in kindergarten into a, a, a private school. Here's a picture of me as a kindergartner. Yeah, my parents gave this to me and they started crying. I don't know why. That's <laughs> that picture. Yeah, so um, there I was in kindergarten class, and this was a Christian, private Christian school, and one day, um, the teacher, um, Mrs. Diebel, um, I don't know where she is, I don't know what happened to her, but she said to the class, she explained the story of salvation, and said, you know, you can have a right relationship with God if you place your trust in Him, and you spend eternity with Him in heaven. And I prayed in class in kindergarten one day, um, and that was, uh, that was in April of 1984, um, and I think, as I, as I think back to that time, I realize I really, I understood, and I had a knowledge of heaven, 
and hell. And I knew the difference between right and wrong. Um, there's a verse, as I've gone through life, this verse is, has stuck out to me. There it is. Truly I, this is Jesus talking, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And that was really where I was at. The gospel was just simple enough for a child to understand. It was simple enough for this child to understand. And so I prayed a prayer that day. It was really similar to something like this. I said, God, I understand. I'm separated from you by my sin. I receive your free gift of salvation found only in the death of Jesus Christ. He took the punishment for my sins. I invite you to be the Savior and Lord of my life. That's pretty much what I prayed there as a, as a five-year-old. Um, that's where I was. And I know with 100% certainty that I was saved at that very moment. And you know what? If that little kid, this little kid could be certain at that moment that he was saved, then any one of us can be certain that we can be saved. And so there I was when I was saved, and I understood God, and I had a right relationship with Him, but... I was little, and I didn't have everything put together. I really did not yet see God as somebody who could be related to in a real personal way. And I think a lot of people are like that. Maybe even some of you are like that. You see yourself as, as saved, but you don't really relate to God in a, in a personal way. So, um, that kind of leads on to the next chapter of my story. Uh, when I was 10 years old, uh, my family moved to, to Colorado Springs. Um, which at the time was not yet the Christian capital of America. Uh, maybe they all followed us, I don't know. That's, it was before there was focus on the family and, and so forth there. Um, and so before long, I was in junior high. There we are. Yes, yeah, so here is a picture of me in junior high. Does anybody recognize where this picture is taken? Has anybody been here? It's the summit of Long's Peak. Surely somebody here has been to the top of Long's Peak too, right? Yeah. Now, you got to love this. Uh, clearly, my parents were not um, interested in fashion. Uh, that is a San Jose Sharks hat. I've never lived in California. I don't even like the Sharks, but there I was with that hat, and that, uh, that jacket has never been in style. Uh, the gloves are too large, and I have some kind of camera attached to my hip. I don't know what the deal is there, but I made it up to the top of Long's Peak in that picture. Oh yeah, can you see my hair too? I really, I really love the show MacGyver. Did anybody ever watch MacGyver? And so I wanted a MacGyver mullet. And there, there it is. I had it. I even had a Swiss Army not pocket knife too, because I wanted to be like MacGyver. So there I was in junior high. Yeah, and, and like most, most of any of you, probably, going through junior high, it was an emotionally traumatic experience. Probably not more. Mine was experience probably wasn't any more traumatic than it was for any of the rest of you. Um, but it was a lot of kind of the things you would imagine. Teasing, bullying. And who would tease a guy with this outfit? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, other things self-loathing and the hormonal changes and all that kind of stuff that gets wrapped up into those years. And I think as I look back, the result was that I ended up kind of becoming an, an outcast on maybe an island of my own emotions. 
and I was became I found myself at a place where I was really desperate for somebody to help me. Um, so then I got to high school, got to be a, a freshman in high school, and um, through my church I began attending a teen small group Bible study. Doesn't that sound horrific? A teen small group Bible study. Any of you parents of teens, you're like, that's the last thing I want to be part of, right? A bunch of teens getting together. But there I was, and we had some really good leaders, and there were some really good people, peers, in that group. Um, I saw these peers and these leaders. They were making faith in Jesus Christ a personal thing. And as I looked at them, I realized their lives were something I wanted. And I realized that they cared about me, and they cared for me. And so that was good, and I began to see, oh, there's this world, and maybe there's something I want. And then um, a tragedy happened, as often happens to many of us. Something, something tragic comes along. Um, there was a student who was, he was a friend of mine. I was closer friends with his younger sister. Um, and uh, he, was, uh, he was murdered in a traffic altercation on the way to school. One day, I was a senior in high school, just a couple months from graduation. Um, and that had a big impact on me, seeing somebody I knew and somebody close to somebody I knew um, be killed that way. Um, and for some reason, I don't know why this happened, I, at school, I, I was one of, for some reason, I was one of the first people to hear that this had happened during the day. And then I had to go around from class to class to find all of the friends I knew who knew this guy and tell them this had happened. And so that really kind of scarred me. And then later, as, as more information developed, it turned out that the man who'd killed this guy, um, actually, my family had had an altercation sort of with him when we were, we were taking care of some people's dogs at his neighbor's house. And he'd come over with a gun several years before, trying to protect them, and um, ended, up, ended up being subpoenaed for the trial. Um, my brother and my mom ended up testifying for it. But it was something that really really struck and, and was something that caused sort of a, not a wound, but just a, wow, this is a really hard thing and how do we deal with hard things? And through that, those friends and those leaders that I had at church and in Bible study, I really saw them embrace each other and they embraced God and they embraced Jesus Christ and they grabbed hold of the truth and they didn't run from it. And so in the midst of that tragedy... And things could have been really horrible, I saw this picture of, wow, this is what Christians do with each other. This is how they come alongside each other. This is how life has purpose, even in the midst of really horrible things going on. And so, uh, through that time as well, one of the, one of the leaders, a youth, youth group leader we had, his name was Mike, um, and he, was, he really gave me the first clear picture of what a pastor should be. Um, but he just, had, he just had a heart for youth. And he had a heart for bringing the gospel to the youth. Um, for him, pastoring was not a career. It was not a ladder he was trying to climb up where you, you start at youth pastor and work your way to senior pastor. He just he had a heart for that. Um, and there was one time, I just remember this clearly, I was probably about 16 or 17 years old, and he, he stood in front of the youth group and he said, you know... I, he had this illustration. He said he had his little kids at the time, and he said one of them has got these power wheels. Anybody have power, ever use those power wheel things, right? Or you're a little kid in a little car, and you're driving. And he said whatever. The one he had had these buttons because you didn't just want a kid to like drive off the cliff. They had to like push the buttons and then, you know, get it to go. And he said it just. He said it gave me this example. It's like you all. He said I see you all and your teenagers. And you got life in front of you, and I just want to reach out, and I just want to push those buttons and have you walk with God and follow God 
And he started crying and he said, I can't push those buttons. I can't do it for you. And at that moment I said, well, I'm going to push those buttons in my life. I can't push them in anyone else's, but I'm going to push them in my life. And so I made a choice that day to you know, push the buttons. And, and so I listened to his encouragement and I began to read my Bible regularly. It's been kind of fun. I have notes. I've been going back and looking at some of those notes from that time. It's interesting, the things that God was showing me then. And I began to participate wholeheartedly in church. I became a leader in my youth group. I ended up going on three mission trips um, with that group. And then beyond just the church things, I began to surround myself with other things, Jesus things. Um, I began to listen to Christian music. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's something everybody has to do, but at that place I was at in my life, I needed to surround myself with something that was positive and was pointing me to God and just filling the background and filling my mind with it. Um, I began to put myself in groups of Christian friends, some through the youth group and some at school and other places, and, and began to, to sort of pursue God together with a number of other people who were in the same place. And I even began engaging with lost people about the truth um, and talking, about, talking to them about Jesus Christ. And so, through this phase, ultimately, I came to own my faith. I came to relate to God in a very personal way here as I was in high school. Um, and I do have a picture here of that. Yeah. Here's a picture of me. This was on one of those missions trips. Anyone know where this is? Moscow. Moscow. Yeah. That's a skinny guy. I was about six feet tall and 110 pounds soaking wet. Um, but it said this. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And that's really where I was at. I don't know if I became a man at that point or not, but in a spiritual sense, I came to own it. Here I was in this picture at the, at the end of, of high school and getting ready to go to college, and I had come to own my faith at that point. I began to see external proof of God working in the world around me and through the lives of other people. I began to see internal proof of God, of Him working in my own life and doing things in myself. But I was still not perfect. Um, one of the things I really struggled with this time in my life was being zealous for God. You say, why is that bad? Well, my zeal for God really morphed into a self-righteousness. See, like I said, I, I would contend for truth with the lost, and that contention really turned into scorn in a lot of ways. I, became to, I began to dislike people who didn't have faith in Jesus Christ. I think ultimately where that all sort of ended up was I, I developed works righteousness thinking. Um, I began to believe that God was either pleased or displeased with people based upon their actions and choices. And then as I began to think that sort of logically to the conclusion, I thought, wait, well, if God is pleased or displeased with other people based on their actions and choices, then he must be pleased or displeased with me based on my actions and choices and my sin. And I had plenty of it. I was a jealous person, and I was angry, and I had lustful relationships, and I was proud. And you know, a lot of Christians, maybe some of you here today are in that place too, where you say, wow, yeah, I, I've been saved, I have a relationship with God, but man, I really struggle with guilt. I really struggle with performance, trying to please God. 
And so that's where I was here as I, as I headed off to college. Um, I went off to Atlanta to start my architecture degree. For those of you, I know Denver is really a pro football town, right? Amen? Can I get an amen? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's a very manly amen. Um, but in the South, uh, you guys are from the South. In the South, it's not, pro sports is not the thing. What is it? SEC. <laughs> SEC, I guess the ACC, if you're kind of the, the stepchild or what, I don't know. But so here I am with our mascot. This is a big deal. Right? Like, I don't know if anyone posed with a picture of whatever the mascot is at CU, if that'd be a big deal. This is a big deal in the South, to pose with your school mascot. It was a big deal. So here I am. And yes, I am wearing a shirt with Bob the Tomato on it. <laughs> yes. My parents, not only did they not have fashion sense, they clearly didn't instill any fashion sense in me. So when I went off on my own, I was wearing shirts with Bob the Tomato on it. Yeah, so here I was at, at Georgia Tech, um, and uh, I said, wow, I, I got to you know, keep doing what I was doing, walking with God and seeking out God, and so I continued to read my Bible and stuff, and, but I knew I needed to get involved with more people. All my friends are gone, not really any of my friends had followed me to Georgia Tech, um, and what was I going to do? And it took me about a year um, of bouncing around and shopping around, and I ended up Settling with the ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Crew, right? They changed the name of that. Um, and so that's where I was, and uh, I, I developed a new group of Christian peers who had a tremendous influence on me. Um, it was a group of people who were compassionate, and they were caring, and they really evidenced the work of God in their lives. But there was something different about them, something different. When I compared myself to them, I said, man, these people are... We're all Christians, but what's different? And I realized they weren't ridden with guilt like I was. I felt so guilty about all my sin and not being right, not being good enough. And, but they weren't like that. And I didn't really understand that, but it all kind of came to the head. It, at one point, I went with this group and we went to share the gospel. Cold turkey in the, the uh, housing projects of Atlanta. Like That's not an intimidating thing, but I was like, Hey, I'm good. I can do this. And so I went with them. We went to share the gospel, and I still remember it was my turn. I went with the guy I was with, and we went up to this lady, you know, older lady, should have been the easiest person in the world to share with. And I, like, fell flat on my face trying to share the good news. This lady, like, I did such a poor job. I've had to pray since then, like, Lord, I pray that some, you would send somebody to clean up the damage that I did in this lady's life trying to share the good news with her, right? Um, and why? Why did I fall flat on my face? Well, I was just trying to be good. I was doing it as an action. I wanted God to be pleased with me. And so I failed. And at the time I thought, well, it's probably because I'm just not good enough. Maybe I'm not trained enough. Maybe I'm not skilled enough. I need to get better at this. And so what was my conclusion? I decided I would go to Croatia to learn how to share the gospel. <laughs> Sounds kind of strange. There's a reason for that. Um, it was God's plan. So with Campus Crusade, I went and spent seven weeks in Croatia. And I should have a slide here. Yeah, here I am sitting in Croatia. I don't know if my fashion's any better yet, but uh, uh, there I am. At least I'm not looking at the camera, right? Isn't that a style or something? But yeah, so, so here I was in Croatia, and our purpose with Campus Crusade, we were going to establish a student ministry. But, uh, and we did that, but we spent significant time while we were there studying the scripture. Specifically, we took these seven weeks that we were there and we studied the book of Galatians. 
we went through a study by an author named Tim Keller. A number of you probably heard of him from New York City. Um, and he, he taught through in this, in this book study um, about the Galatians, the church in Galatia. And so what was up with the Galatians? Well, we discovered from reading this that they were caught in works righteousness. They were saved by grace, yet they returned back to trying to earn God's favor. And they were judging other people who didn't measure up. It sounded really familiar <laughs> to my own life as I read this. And what did Paul say? He, he spells it out really clearly. He said, After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? That was me. I was a Galatian. And so what was the answer? Well, I found it in chapter 5, verse 1. And this is from the message version. It says, Christ has set us free. Why? Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take a stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. And that harness of slavery was self-righteousness. See, I had missed this, which is the essence of the gospel. God had not only saved me, but His love for me was unchanging. And it was not dependent on my efforts. You know, it didn't go up or down based on my sin or the good I was doing. And so I was free. I learned from studying the book of Galatians. I learned that I was free to obey God. I was free to do good. I was free to be kind. I was free to love without lusting. I was free to share the gospel. And I could do those things because of God's love for me. Not because I needed to earn God's love. And so I came to understand what Paul meant. As he says later in the passage, he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This changed my life. And I saw it change the life of others around me. Um, An interesting sort of aside from this time in my life, um, I was at Georgia Tech, which is an engineering school, and I was studying architecture. It's very technical. And there was all these people who were on this path. Right? You don't just sort of show up at Georgia Tech and say, what am I going to study? Like, these are driven people. This is, you know, there's only a limited number of majors. It's very focused. And there was all these men and all these women on this path to become engineers and architects. And, and looking back, it was interesting. We were talking last night. I don't think Daryl's here. But Daryl was talking about his experience at Colorado State University and how there was this little group of people and God sort of added all of these other people to this ministry and it grew and they saw this harvest at that time, we didn't really see that happen at Georgia Tech. But what has happened has been really interesting. Is I can think of at least a half a dozen other guys who were just like me, who were on that track of, I'm going to become an engineer, I'm going to become an architect, I'm going to do this thing. And it's a half a dozen guys are all pastors now. The same way, that's not where they were headed, and that's where God has taken them. So it was like there was a harvest of pastors from that experience. It's really interesting um, to see that happen. And so, back to this trip to Croatia, um, I would say really, if I had to sum it up, this season of my life really led to a spiritual emancipation. I was free. It was great, like Paul said. He set you free. And there I was, free. But then came the next decision. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with this freedom? See, later on, again in Galatians 5, Paul, he warns us, he says, Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh or the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. 
And something I came to realize is that it's, it's easy to think about indulging the flesh in really grotesque terms, right? We can think about, oh, gluttony and perversion, sexual sin and other things, right? And of course that's indulging the flesh. It's more challenging when we start thinking about how that call not to indulge the flesh really extends to benign things like hobbies and sports and television and careers, right? Those things, too, really can become an indulgence of the flesh. And so, as I ruminated on what I had learned, God, I think, really convicted me that my life should be spent serving others humbly in love, not seeking wealth, and not seeking pursuits that indulge my flesh. And so that changed my trajectory. No, I didn't, I didn't stop being an architect. I didn't continue on that path. I did end up even going on and getting my master's degree in that um, But instead of putting architecture first, I decided I needed to plug into a church first and serve God and love one another humbly first and let architecture follow with that. And God blessed that. But, of course, there was something else major going on in my life at that time. There it is. Her name was Christine. And so I ended up moving back to Colorado, in large part because of her. Um, And uh, I came to Denver. I I moved to Denver in the summer of 2000 and got a job in an architecture firm through a friend I knew here. And Christine was involved in this church. was part of Great Commission churches, and I'd heard great things about it. It was in Fort Collins, which was an hour away. And um, I just said, you know, there's no way God could really get me a job in a little town like Fort Collins. So I got a job here in Denver, and it's like, well, I'll find a church here in Denver. And I went to my first day at work, and I came home, and I got back to my very lonely, very empty single-bedroom apartment. It was about 5 o'clock, 5.15. And I looked around. I think I probably opened the fridge to see if there's anything to eat and closed it. It's like, this is going to get really lonely and really boring. And I looked at my watch, and I was like, I think they have small group tonight. I could probably make it. So I hopped in the car and I drove an hour to Fort Collins to go to small group the first time. And it captured my heart. And I went back every week. I drove an hour each way, sometimes coming home very late. I, I went back on the weekends to go to church and I jumped in with that group of people. Great commission. And so a year later, oops, there we are. We got married. I love this picture, right? Because my wife, Christine, she's like timeless, beautiful, still looks, that hasn't aged a day. And I look like I'm about 15. (laughs) And I also look like I'm really, really excited. (laughs) You can imagine why, I'm sure. So this was in the spring of 2001. Was anybody here at our wedding? I don't think anybody was, right? Yeah. Well, that's good. So this is news to all of you. We got married. None of you were there. Yeah. <clears throat> and so then I, I moved to Fort Collins, and God did provide that job for me there. When I started actually looking for it, he provided it. And so we jumped in fully in person and in the neighborhood there in Fort Collins. Um, <clears throat> and so during that time, a, a verse was brought to my attention. I'm not sure if I'd never read it before. It just had never really, uh, never really caught me here. Um, and it was this one. 
which I think is cut off there. This is from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. And so I became convinced as I read this and through other things, the best way to use my freedom to honor God first and second, to serve others humbly in love, was going to be to be part of a church that was on that mission. And that's what I found in that church. And that church had leaders that I realized I could trust and submit to. And who were some of those leaders? There they are. Richard Morgan. Yes, uh, again, you look at this, and uh, Christine and Morgan have barely aged at all, and yeah, Rich and I just look like children. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, that was the first wedding Rich ever did. Um, I'm sure he's got lots of funny stories. I have funny stories about it. I won't, I won't share them today. But, uh, so there, we, there they were. They were our leaders. And so, what's happened in my life since that time? Well, I've been busy. These are my five kids. Um, there's Reeves, the oldest one there in the back. He's ten. Right next to him is Josiah, who's six. Standing up inside the crib is Kellen. He's two. Right in front of him is Max, who's four. And Scarlett, the, well, the lone female. She's, uh, how old are you? Six? Yeah, she's six. So that's, uh, that's what we've been up to for the past ten years. And so then uh, 10 years ago, right after Reeve, the first one there, the tall one, was born, uh, we came right here to Denver to help start this church. Joined with Rich and Morgan. We'd been in, in Seattle, and we came back to help them. And was anybody else here on, on day one 10 years ago? I can't... Am I the only one? Wow. Reeve was there. My wife was there. That's good. Well, praise God for what he's done in 10 years. Amen? Amen. Yeah, and so I've been working as a full-time architect uh, until a year ago. And then a year ago, the church asked and said, Hey, would you come on board and and work for us full-time? We need some help. Um, And I said, Sure, I would do that. Um, And uh, then next week, as Brad said, you're going to recognize me into a pastoring role. And I'm not exactly sure that this next week will look a lot different from the week after that, but I think that's part of the deal, is that it's just a a recognition of what God is doing. Um, And so for me, as I look back on this experience here and coming to this milestone, um, I really see that becoming a pastor is really something that God has done in my life. Um, It's not been something I pursued. See, I I said this probably to a few of you before, that... um, if, if you took me back 18 years, um, and if God had like showed up there as I was working on my calculus homework in high school, and he showed up, I'm like, wow, God, you're there. And he said, I want you, when you're 36, I want you to be a pastor. I probably would have done some things differently. Um, I probably, in my thinking at the time, I would have gone off to a Bible college or a seminary or I would have gone down a path and a career and developed a resume for being a pastor. And, um, and I wonder if I'd done that, if I would have missed some of those things, at learning about freedom that I learned while I was studying to be an architect at Georgia Tech. I, I wonder if I would have missed that. Um, 
and so I'm really thankful that God has done that and that this has been God's work and, and I haven't chased after this. Um, I think God really used my pursuit of architecture and I, you know, I, architecture is really a way of thinking and it's something you become and I, I'm not going to stop being architects next week. I'll always be that way, always think that way, but God just used that to draw me to Him. And I think He can use that for any of you, wherever you're at. Um, you don't have to be going to Bible college or seminary or other things for God to use you. He can use you right where you're at and draw you right in the place where you are, where you're working, where you're living, where you're serving. And so I guess at the end of that, I would just stand before you guys today and declare that God has been faithful and He's blessed me to bring me here. And so I'm really looking forward to this next chapter of serving alongside all of you. And as you can see, you know, I'm not perfect But God is perfect, and God is faithful. So, I hope we can trust Him together here in this next chapter. So, now I've given you sort of the story of my faith journey in my life thus far. And I maybe turn it around and ask you, where are you at in your faith journey? Maybe you're like me, and you're somewhere along the way there where I was. Maybe maybe you're not yet right with God. Maybe you don't have that right relationship. Um, Or maybe you have gotten right... You have that relationship, but God is not personal to you. Um, Or maybe you find yourself caught in sort of a life of of works righteousness, where you're you're trying to do things to earn God's favor. Um, Or maybe you've discovered freedom, and you're using that freedom to indulge yourself and not to serve others. Or maybe you're just wondering if God will be faithful to you as time goes on. And so I hope that wherever you're at in that, that maybe my story has spoken to you and encourages you. And maybe will help you if there's changes that you need to make in your life that you can. So um, I'm going to pray to close us here. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to share my story. God, I I do thank you for what you've done in my life. Uh, Thank you for the story that you've given me, God. It's not anyone else's story. It's the one you've had for me. I thank you for it. God, I, um, I trust that there's elements in this story that uh, touch the lives of others who are here, God. And, but I think specifically of, of anybody out there who could honestly look at their life and say, you know, I, I don't have a right, right relationship with the Creator of the universe. But I've been hearing about this Jesus, and I know He's the only way. Um, I know that through Him and through His free gift and His death on the cross and His resurrection, that I can, I can have a right relationship with you, God. And so maybe if you're one of those people who's there today, like you could just pray and <clears throat> in the quietness of your heart. You could pray a simple prayer, just like the one I prayed when I was a child. You could just, in your heart, repeat after me and say, God, I understand that I'm separated from you by my sin. And I receive your free gift of salvation. It's found in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I understand that He took the punishment for my sins, and I invite you to be the Savior and Lord of my life. And Lord, if there's other, other folks who are here who find themselves wrestling with self-righteousness, works righteousness, not using their freedom in the right way, not serving out of love, um, Lord, I pray you, you would move, move in lives through your Holy Spirit and make course corrections as you need to, God. I thank you that uh, um, you've created the perfect situation, the 
perfect situation where we can, through one act, through the death of Jesus Christ and giving up your son perfectly, we can have not only the opportunity to spend eternity with you in heaven, but we can have all that we need to live a fruitful life here on earth. I just thank you for that, God. I thank you for this church, for the opportunity to serve. I pray you you would help me, Lord, to continue to serve one another humbly in love. Lord, we lift all this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for coming. We're glad you're here. Uh, Have a good week. Go Broncos, and we'll see you next weekend.